with me, Matthew chapter 7. We're going to be verse 7 through verse 14 today as we get a, a picture of what it means to focus on Christ. And, and this passage of Scripture is one of those that um, really almost tempts us to interpret it by ourselves. And, and church, I, I want you to, to know as we walk through this series together, as we walk through all this together, um, you and I, we have to be willing to take the whole canon of Scripture, like every single word, every single highlight, everything in there, and we need to be saying, as a follower of Christ Jesus, this is the word for me. Um, and I know that there is no such thing as stable, it seems like, in this world right now. I want, I want to encourage you with something. It's never been stable. And you're thinking that's not encouraging, Pastor. But, but follow me. It's never been stable. Since the moment that sin entered the world, instability has been the only stability. And we've gone through seasons where we've moved back and forth to think otherwise. But the instability happens when we su su supplement, when we find ourselves in the place and the role of the Lord, in the seat of the Lord. We talked about judgment last week. And so let me tell you what is stable. What is stable is Jesus Christ sitting at the right hand of his Father, reigning and ruling. What is stable is the Holy Spirit's presence and power in the life of his bride today. And, and what I want to do with you this morning is I want to walk through these verses um, showing you what they look like in instability. Okay, I want to read with you what they look like in instability. So let's read this verse, and here's what I want you to do. This is instable. In other words, this is the wrong way to understand this passage. Read with me that what you just heard, verse 7 down through verse 14 again, but with the mindset of it's all about me. The Bible says this in verse 7, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. The one who knocks, it will be opened. For which one of you, if he asks his son for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then are evil and know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask? So whatever you wish others would do to you, do also to them. For it's the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. But those who enter it by enter it are many. Verse 14, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Now, when I read this passage as me, we'll look at this picture in light of Scripture in a second. But when I read it just about me and I think about life, I think all I have to do is ask. And when I ask, then I can receive the kind of life I want, right? If I read improperly into Scripture, what I say in the context of me is ask and it will be given to me. Knock, it will be opened to me. For everyone who asks gets what he wants. Why? Because fathers do good things. God's going to do better good things. It's all about me. And so have you ever offered up a prayer where you are the self-centered focus of it? And, and sometimes our prayers can seem super altruistic. Lord, I wish I could be rich so that I could help out all the people that I want to help out. So sometimes our, our asking can be selfish. God, my car is broken down. I don't want to keep spending money fixing it. I need a nicer car. Sometimes we, we fall into this prosperity kind of life that says, 
when I read scripture as focused around me, then all of my prayers are giving my wish list to Jesus. And, and he, if I'm a good little boy or girl on one day a year, right, should give it to me. And we, we have a problem. We know that Jesus doesn't do this. So either when it's wrapped around us, we see an inconsistency with Scripture, which is not there, or we see an inconsistency with life, is that we're asking for stuff that's focused around me. Now, keep reading into that, and let's look at how me impacts others. This is what the Bible says. Again, going back to the golden rule, verse 12. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law of the prophets. So if I think about others... When I am the center of my thoughts, then my actions, not just my asking, my actions are me-centered too. Listen, I don't mind when someone's a jerk to me, so it allows me to be a jerk to someone else. I, I, I like it when people are up front and in my face, so I don't like beating around the bush. I don't think we need to tiptoe around each other, so they should be able to do it to me. Or in, in, a, in a twisted sense, we think, well, look, some people have been doing bad for years. This is a racial um, tension and, and the racial sins of, of the past and the present are here. Look, look what they did to me. Therefore, to help God fulfill the Bible, I need to return the favor. Do you see how we twist these words? When we put them into our own hands, we no longer become the ones who request of God. We are now saying, God, I am taking your power into my hands because it's all about me. Do unto someone else as I would like them to do to you. Even if we do good things, even if we adopt hundreds of children out of poverty, if we do them simply so that we are the recipient of the focus, of the blessing, of the boomerang coming back, we are doing self-worship. Now go a little bit further. The Bible says very clearly, hey, listen, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. But those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and there are few that find it. So even in mind of eternity, we point the picture back at me because it says, hey, it's up to me to discover. It's, it's all in my hands to figure this thing out. And I'm, I'm, I'm working hard to find the way to eternity. And to those who I love enough, I might share some of my clues with them. You see, we even make discovering eternity about ourselves when we are the focus and we read this passage what you could walk away with very cleanly is looking at scripture and saying i'm supposed to ask for the things that i want i'm supposed to do the things that make me have a better life and i'm supposed to use those things to discover the narrow path that only the enlightened people like me will find everyone else they're just sheep Do you see how easy it is for you and I to find ourselves looking at the picture and completely misinterpreting it? You see, I was reading, a friend of mine, I saw this on his Facebook page, and I'm a fan of, of Tozer, and I saw this book, and so I've been reading it recently. And A.W. Tozer, a preacher from the past, says this, I fear that thousands of young persons enter Christian service from no higher motivation than to help God, help to deliver God 
from the embarrassing situation his love has gotten him into and his limited abilities seem unable to get him out of. Add to this a certain degree of commendable idealism and a fair amount of compassion for the underprivileged, and you have a true drive behind much of Christianity activity today. Again, church, God needs no defenders. Boy, doesn't this seem right? Doesn't this seem to define this movement going on in the hearts of our country right now? Maybe in the hearts of people around the world is that, God, you're not giving everybody what they ask for. You're, 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 we're not seeing this do work out. In other words, you have just enough power to help us out of the situation, but it's really kind of embarrassing. And so to be a better Christian, if I can fill in the blanks for you with a little bit of compassion and a little bit of idealism, I will help you out, which helps my attorney out church when we view this passage this way centered on ourselves we completely remove God from the seat that our lips say he is in who is the God that we worship I want you to listen to Isaiah chapter 40 it says behold your God behold the Lord comes in might and his arms rules for him behold his reward is with him his recompense before him he will tend his flock like a shepherd he will gather his lambs in his arms he will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are young and that's our picture of God that one portion we tend to think God he carries us behold he's the one he love wins love everybody now check it out before you think that that is all God is listen to verse 12 who has measured the waters in the hollows of his hand who has marked off the heavens with a span? Who has enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in his scales and the hills in its balance? Who has measured the spirit of the Lord and what man shows him his counsel? Whom did God consult and who did he make understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge? And showed him the way of understanding. Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket, and they are counted as dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Lebanon would not suffice for fuel, nor are its blasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him, and they are counted by him less than nothing and emptiness. To whom then will you liken God, and what likeness will you compare him? Church, that is a taste of the God that we serve. He is not just enough power to let you in. His love is not so out of control that the, the hands of men can manipulate it or, or work around it. His plan, his path, his heart is not one that needs the advice of men on figuring it out. So when you and I interpret scripture back on me, I need to ask so that I can make sure I have. I need to do so that I can make sure others do. I need to discover so that I can make sure I'm secure. What scripture says is that's garbage because it's not about you. Let me process this. I was sitting out. We took a few days off with our family this week. And, and in sitting on the, the top deck, I was reading the morning news. And, and this week, two black holes collided. Just a quick picture of it. It's going to flash up on the screen so you can kind of get a picture. This is an artist's rendering of these two black holes. This beautiful darkness of two black holes the size of Long Island colliding. 
Now, black holes consume light. Nothing can escape. The power is so strong. But when these two collided, it created a spark of light, 7.5 like billion light years from here, that was so bright that not only could we see it here on Earth, but the energy coming out from it was so strong, 7.5 billion light years away, million light years away, and we felt it. We felt it. And the Lord measures that in the hollow of his hand, in the span of his hand. He is not insufficient. He doesn't need you and I to help him out. So this passage can't be about you and I filling in the gaps of a less than almighty God because he is an almighty God. So what do we do? We read this passage in the context of God my Father. And so follow me with this here. Read it now, and let's start by thinking about God as your Father. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. The one who knocks, it will be opened. For which one of you, if his son asked him for bread, and will give him a stone? Which one asked for a fish, and will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil? Let me, let me pause for a second. Apart from the blood washing of Jesus Christ forgiving us for our sins, every man has fallen short of his glory, and by definition, sin has stained his heart towards it, towards wickedness, towards evil. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? How much more? Does your father know how to do that? You see, when we start to look at this passage of Scripture as, as God-centered, all of a sudden, when I look towards life, the Lord is my focus of my requests. I mean, process that. The Lord being your focus. Psalm 37, 4 said it this way, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. When the Lord is your focus, then your life is being wrapped around his. And so he's going to give you the desires of your heart because the desires of your heart will be the whispers of his spirit. Ask and it will be given unto you. Remember back in chapter 6, just two weeks ago? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and everything else will be added unto you. You and I, believer, we live in the shadow of the cross, in the shadow of the kingdom, in the shadow of the throne of the Almighty God. And what Scripture says here is, don't be afraid to say, Lord, my heart is chasing after you. And he's saying, child, ask what I have put on your heart. Seek what I have put on your plate. Be willing to come to the bedroom at night and cast everything before me. I will answer because I'm drawing you to me. What kind of father would I be if I was not as good as what you could conceive of? If I am calling you to ask, if I am stirring up your heart to knock, if I'm moving you to seek me, then you can be certain that I will answer, I will open, I will show, I will give. Church, you and I, when we delight ourselves in the Lord, when we're seeking his kingdom, when we're living the kingdom life, when we read this passage, we, we hear the Lord saying, focus on me. And I will give you the desires of your heart 
because your heart will be one with me you see it's no longer about me when i'm asking the lord when i'm seeking the lord i'm not saying god i really want to do this so help me find a way i'm not saying god in my flesh i really want to find a way to make this occur i want no matter how good it is when we are the object we miss the father but when you and i allow the father to be the object of our asking then all of a sudden we're going to see the wonders of the god who can make two black holes collide and seven point million miles away we can feel it that's the god he is able but you and i can't think that he will be a bad father who like a selfish child annoys their father so much that he finally gives him what is not good for them so that they will be appeased and be quiet remember we talked about that in matthew chapter 4 god will not be manipulated by reckless children let's go a little bit further the bible says this let's read it again through the eyes of the almighty god the lord says this he says so whatever you wish others would do to you do also to them for this is the law and the prophets. You see, when you and I find ourselves reading God's word and we start acting and doing for others, not for what we will get in return. See, the Bible doesn't say do it to someone else so that they will do it to you. We interpret that all day long. And when someone doesn't do it to us, we completely get upset with them, right? So this doesn't say what goes around should come back to you. What scripture says here is when you and I live in light of the Father, in the shadow of the kingdom, when we do unto others, when we think about others, we think about the Lord. What is the Lord calling us to do? He's calling us to lead, church. He's calling you and I to lead people. He's not ever created us to sit on the back burner, to wait for someone else to be the bigger man, to wait for someone else to show us the way. What Scripture says is that you and I are called to lead through the gospel, through Jesus. So therefore, whatever you wish others would do to you, do also to them. If I'm seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, if I am following in the shadow of the cross, if I am laying up treasures in heaven, if I am not being anxious about my provision, if I am not judging others, if I am doing all these, what are those things doing? Though Those are footsteps on the road to the cross, on the road to life, to eternity. So whatever you do to others, do it in a way that you wish that they would do it to you, Christ follower. I want everyone's actions. If I, if I, if I could, in the shadow of my father's chair, say I want every action to lead me, where would I want it to lead me? I would want it to lead me to the throne of my savior i would want every action to lead me to the feet of jesus i want the actions of my fathers when when my dad does something when my mom does something when my children do something when my friends do something i want every action to be so intentional that it leads me closer to jesus see when it's not about me when it's about jesus whatever you do right you want to do it in a way that others will do it to you right the the bible verse 12 whatever you wish that others would do to you do also to them what do i wish if i have god's heart i wish you would point me closer to jesus 
It's not about what goes around comes around. What, what Jesus is saying is that you and I should invite by our actions. We should encourage and challenge people to lead us to Jesus like we're leading them to Jesus. So when you're loving your mother, how are you leading her to Jesus? When you are not venting, when you choose not to allow your privileges or your rights to be more important than the eternity of another person, what are you doing? You are pointing them to Jesus. Listen, right now, I want you to know something. This is a, a big deal in the hearts of our pastors. We have the privilege, we have the right right now to fill our church. The law does not, we could pack every seat in this room right now and it would be legal we have permission but right now would that honor the lord would that be considerate of the flock would that be mindful of the reputation of christ in our community in our case let me tell you what we're thinking we want others to show us jesus so we want to make sure that no barrier gets in the way of them seeing Jesus. And, and there are churches that are gathering and there are churches that are doing this, but the point is not what is happening, but what is the driver of our heart when we act. When you adopt a child, are you doing it to lead them to Jesus or to point people to Jesus? When you give someone who needs money a helping hand, are you doing it to lead them to Jesus? If you were doing it to help God out or to make yourself feel better, you have missed the gospel. The gospel says take care of the widow and the orphan to be kind to the stranger. We're in, but we can't miss the motivation. When you are posting your political ads, when you are, are angry about something and venting, and, and venting it out, in public, in person, on Facebook, or wherever, are you leading people to Jesus? As a kingdom follower, we want to do to others what they would do to us in light of the Father that is leading them to the Lord, leading them to Jesus. Finally, let's close with this. Verse 13, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. Those who find it are few. Church, in the middle of this, the Lord says, don't waste the moment. You see, when I think of me and eternity, I'm figuring out how I can discover it. But when I think of me and eternity in light of the Father, what am I doing? I'm following. I don't discover on my own. I'm following the Lord. You see, it's the Lord has opened my eyes. The Lord is guiding me. He's calling me to him. I, it's, it's almost as if the Lord was, was cooking something beautiful. This happened. My wife baked and cooked this week in preparation for going out. The house was filled with the spells, smells. It, it draws you to him. So I'm, I'm leading people, follow me, where I'm going, there's a great scent. I'm sure there's sweetness at the end. What the Bible says is, when you and I are living our life in the light of the Lord, that he is our focus, and that we are called to lead others, but we are only called to lead others where we have been willing to follow the Lord. You see, when we're going our own way, we're following this wide path. 
And, and so often we, we think that you and I should abandon the way of relationship with the Lord and instead just put our goals. We're going to hit all of our markers, hit all of our goals. I'm task-driven. I need to discover. I need to make this happen. These are the nine things to do. The Lord says don't abandon relationship for your goals because your goals will lead to destruction. So if the way looks tight, don't look for another way. Follow him. If a path looks rough, don't look for a way to smooth it out. Follow him. If no one else is on the trail with you, if people line the road and scream at you, follow him. That is the way that the Lord leads us to life, that and that alone. And so we have to read scripture in light of the Lord, in light of the cross. Because if we read it in light of self, we'll find destruction. Listen to what D.L. Moody, a famous pastor, said, a wonderful pastor from over a century ago. He says, if you want to scatter doubts, then look at the blood. If you want to increase your doubts, look at yourself. You will get enough doubts for years by being occupied with yourself for just a few days. Church, I want to ask you a question. As we look at this, as we walk through all of this, are you reading God's word as if you are the object and the subject? If we, if we want to know life, if we want to know joy, the Lord doesn't need our help. He doesn't need you and I to act uncalled. But instead, he's calling you and I to focus on him, to lead others to the feet of Jesus, and to follow him there. It's not about, I want, so I ask. I want, so I do. I want, so I discover. That's a false Christianity that will leave you with doubts for days. But life in Christ is about the Father and what He wants for His children. It's about what the Father has called us and commissioned us to do and our actions towards others so that we might lead Him to Jesus. Paul says it, to live is Christ. To live is Christ. That's the only purpose I have. And I want to spend eternity with that person. And the only way to do that is to follow him. Church, are you willing to move yourself out of the Father's seat? and return back realizing that you are worshiping the almighty God who collides black holes, who sends energy millions of miles away, and yet that is just a drop in the palm of his hand. That is the almighty God. He doesn't need you to give him recommendations by asking. He is giving you the invitation to ask because in him, he puts desires on your heart. He is not checking you to discover because he's calling you to understand, to follow. And he's calling you to lead, to lead your family, to lead your husband, to lead your wife, to lead your wife, to lead your coworker, to lead your 782 friends on Facebook to the feet of Jesus with everything that you say and do. Because that's what we want as Christians. If you don't know Jesus, 
or if the Jesus that you have seen looks a whole lot like an individual and not like the Almighty God, I want you to know today the invitation is yours. That we have a God who is sovereign over all, who gave his son, Jesus Christ, to die in your place so that you would not be counted among the evil, the, the wrath of God, but that you might be called a child of God by professing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and by that, God, your Father. By following Him, by giving Him your life, and trusting in Him, because He is a good Father. Let's pray. Father God, we love You. Today, we turn to You as Your people. Lord, don't let us read Scripture as if we are the subject and the object. Lord, it is all about You. Lord, from the time the sun rises until it sets every day, every moment, every hour. Lord Jesus, I pray today that we would find ourselves not looking at, at our testimony and saying, God, it shows a deficiency in you, but instead you would allow our testimony to be seen in light of the eternal almighty God. So Lord, I ask that your church would spur one another on toward, towards good deeds and good works. Why? Because those things that are defined as good are things that come from you. We want to point them to you, Jesus. It is not about us. We offer this confession the only way that we can through the blood that was shed for us through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.